Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the lead pastor here. And we're on week two of a new series called Games Families Play. And we're talking about family dynamics. And the interesting thing about dynamics is uh, we feel them uh, long before we, we talk about them. Uh, there's a lot of relationships and how we treat each other and the outcomes and the impact of things from our words to our attitudes to our actions that we all feel. And last week we talked about the temperature of the home, how it can be hot in, in anger or cold in, in disconnection. But we're, we're looking at this series as how do we actually bring out some of the things that we all feel. We talk about the temperature of the home. We talk about dynamics. And then we, we look into the scripture uh, for help. And so today we're talking about a topic called faking togetherness. And that's a pretty like pointed title and it's probably a self-evident. But the idea is... There's a lot of games that we can play in our own families where we don't really uh, talk about what's going on, but then we, we fake it like we're all together. Uh, in the era of social media, this is also uh, easy to do, even more so than probably in decades past, because there's a sense of which we can have all sorts of conflict in the family, but we can post on Instagram or Facebook or however we want people to see that we're all together, we're all happy, and it can go from like conflict and turmoil and pain and frustration to let's take a picture and everyone smiles. And I think that that picture of social media kind of represents a lot of what this, uh, this dynamic is all about. And the game uh, in life that you may play with your family is a game of charades. And I don't know if you've ever played charades, but the idea is you, you have uh, two people have a word and they both at the same time have to act it out without speaking. And you, you, you use your, your hands to signify how many words and you act it out. And then people on the opposing teams uh, try to guess what their person is saying. And whoever guesses it first, they win. Now in that game, that can be fun. It's the idea of how do we read into it? How do we see the body language? How do we see what people act out? And then we guess. But in real life, charades, the idea of acting, uh, it's actually not enjoyable at all. But we can all uh, do it. But the idea of pretending, the idea of pretense, this is something that we, we all have to deal with in family life. Uh, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you have roommates, whoever that you're relating with uh, on a normal basis from day to day, it's easy uh, to fake the relationship. It's easy to, again, get into pretense. And so today we're going to talk about how do, we, how do we get out of that and how do we move away from uh, the facade or the masks or the, the secrets and the core in scripture is, is really to, to draw us, the frustration that we experience, to draw us to uh, God's help. And in the Bible, that's what it is. It's, it's God's help. It's God's guidance for us as individuals and as a family. It's our sense of like we feel stuck. We feel like we can't move forward. And, and God's word has this way of, okay, let's, let's get on this path. And, and God's like reaching out. He's, he's calling forth. And as we dig into the scriptures, it's like his voice we can hear, like this is what we were supposed to do. This is how we were supposed to, to move uh, forward. And I want to just start kind of uh, with a, a foundation. We talked last week about God's word. It's the foundation for where we build our life and we build our families. But there's actually some core guidance uh, for husbands and wives. Uh, as you relate to each other, the guidance in scripture is for you to encourage one another by sacrificial love and respect. And as you do that, uh, the marriage can really flourish. And the scriptures give examples of, of how to do this in our attitudes, in our, in our actions, and, and in our words. 
That's why we have to get into it for ourselves. Uh, For parents, the core guidance in Scripture is for you to raise godly kids and through training and instruction of the Lord. That is, how do we dig into the Scripture and kind of give this picture to our kids of this is the kind of person that pleases God and this is the kind of person who we want you to raise you to be, one that obeys God and loves Him and loves people and sacrifices in the same way for others. As you do this as parents, although it's hard, and as you have to deal with the stubbornness and the selfishness of all of our hearts, uh, your kids can actually really learn how to be a blessing to others and to live in a way that, that lines up with God's reality, His ideal for life. Uh, for siblings, uh, there should be an encouragement for each other as uh, we grow in our walk with God and in, in, in life. And if you've ever had siblings, you know that it can be very difficult to encourage In fact, for all of us in family life, it's difficult to encourage. It's easy to pick or to look at faults or to see the problems in others. But there's a sense of which in siblings and then in all of our relationships, this this encouragement for extended family, for friends and coworkers, how can we encourage uh, to help others grow and develop? That is, how can we see uh, what we can do uh, to be a blessing? That's really the the core uh, guidance. But what's interesting is what pulls at all of our hearts, whether it's in our marriage relationship as we parent, as we relate to extended family, if we're empty nesters, as we even relate to our kids who are launched now, they may be married and have kids of their own, our roommates, friends, all the different peoples in our circles. It's easy to again put on a face and to fake it. Uh, Maybe just not be open and and honest with what we have going on. And so I wanna kind of shift gears and talk about, well, what does the Bible say about this? The, The charade. Uh, that kind of goes against that core guidance, which I just shared. Well, here it is. God's ideal is for families uh, to be real. Uh, That is, that the family unit should be a place where people learn to actually be honest with each other, to share what's really going on. If you don't learn this in family life, uh, most of the time, you're not going to learn this in any other relationship. So it's really the the place where where that, that starts. And parents, we have an opportunity to kind of model this. And here's what the scriptures say. It says, therefore, this is Ephesians 4.25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And so you see this command, therefore, we're, we're this family. And it's talking about the spiritual family, but it certainly applies to family as well. Therefore, put off falsehood. Falsehood, this idea of we are uh, somewhere different than where, where we really are. Oftentimes, uh, we do that uh, to appear better than we are. Maybe we're struggling with something, and we don't really want people to know. We don't want our church family to know. We don't want our immediate family to know, our extended family. So there's a sense in which we just fake it. We put on a happy face. We put on this kind of facade that everything is, is together. Well, the reason you put a falsehood, and this is speaking to the Christian community, it says you, you need to speak truth because why? Look at that highlight part. For we are members of one body. That's actually how we grow uh, in godliness. There's a sense of like we, we belong uh, to each other. Uh, here at Ridgeview, we have the heart attitudes. And this is really uh, the one another's in Scripture summarized in seven statements. This is how we want to treat each other. Those are the first four. And the last three is this is how we want to relate as a church community together within the church as we build it up. Well, heart attitude number one we shared last week on this idea of sacrificial love, and that's put the goals and interests of others above my own. 
Well, heart attitude number two is speaking specifically to this idea of putting off falsehood and speaking the truth. And heart attitude number two is this, to live an honest and open life before others. That is, I'm a person of integrity. In my family, I want to have integrity. The person you see on the outside, this is not a charade, matches the person you see on the inside. Now, we live in a time where uh, you may be talking to somebody and you may ask them a question and they say, "I'm, I'm totally transparent. I'll tell you anything. Well, that's not actually wise. This is not what this heart attitude represents. Putting off falsehood doesn't mean that you tell everyone you meet everything about your life. That actually can be not helpful. So the, the, the goal is not transparency. That's not a biblical concept. But open and honesty is. That's what Ephesians 4.25 is talking about. And certainly there needs to be trust. The more things that you have going on in your life that uh, you really need help with, and maybe it's very personal and it's very difficult, uh, there needs to be trust uh, that's established. But the idea is here, I'm not just an individual by myself within my family unit, within the household where I operate. My actions, my attitude, who I am, it impacts everyone else. And again, we are members one of another, just like parts of a body. Uh, as many of you know, I, I hurt my, my back recently about a month ago and I was laid out. I couldn't go to church for 48 hours. I couldn't move. And I'm reminded when we talk about members of one body, it's like when my back is out, my whole body and my life is impacted. In fact, the life of my family is impacted too. My spouses, my kids, uh, they're my spouses, my spouse, I should say, singular. Uh, my wife, Samantha, her life's impacted my kids because I can't function. And when I can't function, everyone else now has to kind of pick up the things that I can't do. And in family life, we're, we're so appreciative of that. But if we're not being open and honest with where we are, and if we're not really being somebody who's letting people know who we are and where we are, it's like the, the function of the body is, is, is broken. It, it doesn't work. It, it's not operating uh, as it should. And so the idea of the atmosphere, that, that truth is, is very important. And the atmosphere, just like we talked about last week, is one of love. And here's the atmosphere that encourages honesty. It's love. For a few verses before Ephesians 4, 25, in verse 15, it says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so there's an idea again that we can just be transparent or we can just be real to the point where we're just going to tell you whatever is on our mind. Well, truth without love can actually be to the point where it just smacks people and it's not helpful. It just bulldozes. I'm going to tell you my opinion. I'm going to tell you the facts. I'm going to tell you how it is. You may not like it, but you need it. That, that actually is not biblical either. Notice the scriptures say it's truth in love. It's the atmosphere. Truth here, here is, is the verb in the original language. It's like I'm, I'm truthing. The way I'm living is I'm living this truthful life. I'm not faking it to anyone. I'm, I'm truthing. But the atmosphere is I'm truthing in this atmosphere of love. And in love, that, that's so important. For relationships to be real, people need to actually have this, this idea of like, I, I'm accepted. Now, acceptance doesn't mean that I should not change or I can do whatever I want. That's another kind of lie that culture tells us. Like love and acceptance are the same. Actually, love and acceptance means 
I'm going to meet you where you are and I'm not going to expect you to be somewhere else. That's actually what God does with us. He loves us and accepts us where we are. But it does not mean we can just stubbornly stay where we are. There needs to be change. There needs to be growth and maturity. And that's how God loves us. And certainly, that's how it is as we relate to other people. We, we can love and accept, but it doesn't mean that acceptance is, I agree with every single thing that you do. That actually is not love either, because there are God's standards. There's a certain way of living, living according to His commands. And so when we talk about truthing and love, it's not ignoring uh, what God says. In fact, it's, I love you enough that I want to help and I want to meet you where you are so we can grow uh, together. And that's the second part. Notice this. We are to grow up in every way. And so truthing in love is this atmosphere where we can change. We don't have to stay the same. We can mature. No matter how long we've been married, there's things that we can work on. No matter how old our kids are, there's things that we can do in our relationship to grow and to understand each other more. If your kids are younger, there's always this sense of how can I give them a God's best? How can I explain God's ideals and His commands to them, but not in a way where they feel beat up, in a way where, in a way where we identify. When my kids are stubborn, one of the most important things I can do is realize two things. One, they're stubborn a lot of times because I am stubborn. And my wife is stubborn. If you want to know a lot of why your kids are the way you are, look in the mirror. And sometimes that can be so hard, but they're like they are because they're our kids. And they learn a lot from what they see in the household. So that's the first thing. The second is this understanding that, you know what? Even though that's where they are, and a lot of it is maybe because of me, again, it doesn't mean that, that God can't use them or change them. And this idea of like, I'm still going to love and I still need that because that's how I am. I struggle, but God is so gracious with me. The scriptures say his kindness leads us to repentance. It's this idea of he loves and accepts us and he's very patient. And that's something that's really been challenging with me as I'm relating to my kids, as I'm relating to others. I have to just remember, God is so patient with me and that's part of his love. But in his patience, he continues to lead me to the truth. Uh, a recent conference I attended, a Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it was part of our Antioch training program that we have for people who want to do full-time vocational ministry, be like pastors or, or missionaries, or work on a church staff. And uh, Harold Bullock, who is the founder of Hope Church, this is kind of like the grandparent church of our network of churches of the 17.6 network. Uh, he shared on the last session of the last day uh, things that he's learned from his 42 years of ministry. And Harold is who wrote the Heart Attitude book that we had recent, we've recently read as a church. He's very wise. He knows the scriptures. And so he just gave these lessons and lessons, and it was so helpful. But one particularly stood out to me as it relates to this. And he says, there's two questions that everyone asks. He says, it's the question they're asking. And then two, it's the question they're not asking. So that's the two. The question they're asking and the question that they're not asking. And he says, everyone is asking the second question that they're not asking. And it is, am I worthwhile? And he said that. Most kids, they're always asking that question. There may be the question they're asking, but they're always asking that second question. Am I worthwhile? When he said that, I just was 
I was overwhelmed because all of a sudden it was like I could see a little clearly, like I could see that in my own kids. I could see that in the people that I'm ministering to as I'm leading Ridgeview. It's the sense of like, am I worthwhile? Do I matter to God? Do I matter to you? What it is, is that's actually this sense of like that truth and love. We want to be at a place where where people can, can love us and know us. And I think all of us, especially as kids, you're kind of like, if I do this, am I going to be accepted? Is if, if people know the real me, am I going to be accepted? And we're, we can get so filled with fear that that's why kids don't want to be honest when they mess up because they may not get accepted. They may get beat up. And I just, again, man, am I worthwhile? And I thought for myself, like I ask this question a lot as well. And so the idea in the scripture here is, is this this truth and love, it's, it's not an, an idea. It's not something that, that we just kind of say. Like, yeah, it's truth and love, and it becomes cliche, like a bumper sticker of some sort of a hashtag. It's actually something where we need the truth of God's Word. It reveals who we are. And at the same time, we need love. And both of those working together is when we can actually change and become different type of people. Again, it's not acceptance, just We can be whoever we want to be as we feel, as we define, whatever our emotions tell us. No, we want to be who God tells us to be. That's the truth. But then in God's patience and his grace and his mercy, he accepts us and he meets us where we are and then he moves us forward. And this is the same picture that we should have as we relate to those people in our relationships that that we're close to. So I hope that's helpful, just this kind of God's ideal families to be real. We're putting off falsehood. We're not faking it. Instead, we're speaking the truth in love. I want to share an interview that I think will be helpful to you. It's actually kind of from two of my mentors. And both of these men uh, have helped me in my marriage. They've helped me as I've been a leader in ministry. They've helped me as I've raised my kids and I'm still raising them. And it's from uh, two men from our sending church, Church in the Valley, uh, Pastor Randy Lanthrop, who has mentored me uh, for over 20 years. And then uh, Dr. Nathan Lewis, who we've actually had come out and share a couple of uh, seminars with us, a marriage and a parenting. Tremendous help. He is a, a director of marriage and family therapy at California Baptist University. He's been a part of uh, all sorts of counseling and marriage ministries and parenting and helped me personally. And on this, this concept of faking togetherness in the family dynamics, uh, Randy, they're doing this series at Church of the Valley last month. Uh, he interviewed Nathan and he is asking Nathan some questions that I think are really helpful to kind of draw out a little bit more of how this faking togetherness and these dynamics work and how they pull us away from this truthing in love. Uh, so it's a longer clip. But I encourage you, lean in and listen to the wisdom that these men share. Let's watch it right now. Nathan, I really appreciate your help in this message and in the series. And actually, all the conversation that we had before we, I even wrote this series. That's been a real help. Um, but I'd, I'd like, if you could, to help us get some clarity on how you would define dysfunction in family life? Well, the, the uh, technical or psychological definition of dysfunction is 
really that the family is um, is the way that they're relating is it working. So that hence the word function. So it really is kind of a mechanistic definition where it's just not working for them, particularly as it relates to adapting to life and and um, things that are necessary for family life. And so it's just not working. But the biblical definition is is more specific. And uh, I I define dysfunctional as really ungodly patterns of relating with each other. They're just not, they're not treating each other rightly. And that results in all kinds of patterns that are, that are really harmful. Not only do they not, not only do they keep them from, from doing things that need to be done, but people are, people are actually hurt in the long run. Yeah. Well, that's helpful. How, how would you describe some of the patterns that families develop in order to fake togetherness? Hmm. Well, faking togetherness, actually, there, there's, there's, a, there's a term that actually means that, and that's pseudo-mutuality. <laughs> so that's a psychological <clears throat> term, but it means fake together. So that's a, that's a real thing that those who work hmm. with families recognize is a, is a common thing. But basically what that means is that they, they act like what is tr- true is not true. Mm-hmm. And what is not true is true. Mm-hmm. And um, so if there's something going on that's not good, then they don't want to admit that. So they're not, there's, there's not an openness and honesty. And uh, people take on different, different roles in that. And so over time, they develop patterns that um, keep them um, uh, uh, having a particular place in the family. Mm -hmm. So they start playing games with each other. They begin. uh, So nobody's allowed to talk about what's really going on. And that's why it's called faking together, because they present to others. Uh that they have it together when they don't, and they act like with themselves that they have it together when they don't. Mm-hmm. So there's not a willingness to talk about what's wrong, yeah. what is really going on. And even though the, that the, somebody wants to do that, uh, they're being mistreated or somebody else is being mistreated, and they don't want to talk about that. At the very least, it creates a culture where um, uh, people aren't really allowed to to grow, but they start... Um, they start approaching family life uh, more selfishly mm-hmm. rather than working together. And uh, it creates what family therapists call this family dance. Uh-huh. So where everybody is, is um, dancing according to, you know, the way that this particular family operates. So an example of that is when... <clears throat> When an adult child uh, comes over for Thanksgiving, you know, they're not living at home anymore and they come home for Thanksgiving and dad meets them at the door one at a time and and stops them and and says, hey, hey, glad you're here, but mom's not in a good mood. Mm -hmm. She's in the kitchen, she's cooking, and we don't want to upset her. 
So instead of confronting what's really going on, everybody's encouraged to pretend as if what's true is not true and what's not true is true. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it yeah. does. Perfect sense. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's helpful to understand. Uh, what is the damage done long term in families that pretend by faking togetherness? What well, they're seen? well, they're not. They're they're they start thinking of ways and coming up with strategies to get what each member does to get what they want. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they do is they start creating, particularly siblings, will create this alliance with each other, ah. um, and then even and so that so that they can kind of get someone on their side, if you will. <laughs> And so they're honest with their siblings, but they're not honest with their parents. Mm-hmm. Or they're honest, they start with what's called triangling. Uh-huh. So because they can't clear things up with someone else in the family, then they look elsewhere and they start mm-hmm. bringing other people in on it who, who they can be honest with, but they can't be honest with the family members. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that starts uh, building a, not, not only a, a wall or a barrier between them and family members, but it also um, uh, uh, keeps them, they start building resentment over time uh-huh. that they can't just be themselves and be accepted the way they are. Uh-huh. And open it. So they're play, they end up playing games, all kinds mm-hmm. of games. They might even form coalitions. Coalitions mm-hmm. is when there's an alliance that is <clears throat> against another family member. Oh. So, and over time, what that does is it just, it erodes the trust in the family. Mm-hmm. People are pretentious and they, they perform. Uh-huh. And a lot of times when kids grow up in that kind of an environment, um, either they, the kids rebel or they go the other extreme and perform mm-hmm. and then they get to a certain age where they're tired of doing that. Yeah. And the parents find out the truth, and then they wonder where all that came from, yeah. and you know, then then they're in a crisis and don't know what to do. So, seem seems like things begin to unravel at that point yes. as mm. as they each go their yeah. own ways. And it could yeah. start earlier, you know, with kids they start acting out. Yeah. And one of the things that that family therapists understand is that. Um, it, it, quite often when a, when a child is acting out or mm. is doing something they shouldn't be doing, that that's actually uh, in response to what's going on in the family. Mm. And it's really hard for the family. Mm. To, that's where the family dance comes in. It's really uh, hard for them to admit yeah. that this is happening because there's something that they're experiencing in the family. So rather than look at the family, they... They present this child to somebody else who can fix them. Yeah. But the family therapist will probably look at the family and say, well, wait a minute. Let's look at what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. That is very helpful. Well, I hope that was a help uh, for you. Uh, Just some summaries that stood out to me is just explaining that here's some ungodly patterns of relating. That's helpful. Again, we can kind of see how these things come out. Uh, talked about the family dance. That was I, I've experienced that. 
I've lived it. That's things that I've done. It's just you kind of get into a dance. Like, okay, let's appear like we're doing this, but it's not real. And then just again, that the damage, um, that, that was helpful to me. For me, I need just to be able to identify like, okay, here's where the things that are mentioned. And so what I encourage you to do right now, as you just listen to that, what stood out to you as it relates to, to you and, and who you are and things that, that you've experienced? You know, was there something that just stood out where you're like, oh, that one hurt. Like, oh man, that one, that one's me or I've experienced that. God may be trying to get your attention there. There might be something there he's putting his finger on. So just take a moment just to think about that. And as you're thinking about that, you could, you know, make notes and come back to that later. But I encourage you, lean in, allow God to speak to you. Uh, as we wrap up, I want to talk about, okay, we, we've identified some things. We know that the falsehood, we need to throw off, we need to get rid of, we need to speak the truth, and it needs to be in this atmosphere of love. But then, like, what, what do we do? Where do we go from, from there? Well, what we need to do is to be real. We need to keep looking into the mirror God has given us. And that mirror, as you can imagine, is the Scripture. Uh, we actually all look in mirrors every day, of course. We, we get ready. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere. Maybe you've gone out to eat. And recently, I had a poppy seed bagel. I wouldn't recommend a poppy seed bagel if you're going to be out in public. Why? Because poppy seeds end up getting in your teeth. thing is about poppy seed, you don't feel it in your teeth for the most part. It's not until you get home, you look in the mirror and you smile, and you're like, whoa, my, my teeth look like dice. Like, it's just full of poppy seeds. Have you ever had that experience where you look in the mirror and you're like, what on earth? Why didn't anybody tell me? And you kind of feel a little foolish. Well, the good news with God's word is it's God telling us all the time. And he tells us by showing us a mirror of who we are. It's who we are, the things that we need to change and work on. And then the mirror also shows who we can become and also our identity of who we are in Christ, in the forgiveness that we've been given, in the acceptance that he's granted us, the bridge that he's connected back to God through his death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, that we could be raised to this new life, that we could start over, that we could actually be the person, the man, the woman, the sibling, the parent, the grandparent that he has called us to be. No family uh, is perfect. But as a family, and this starts with the leaders of the home, the dad first, really sacrificing. But if the family, the parents, and everyone involved gets into the scriptures for themselves, this is how you can grow. This is how you can become real. And we talked about some of those scriptures, that truth and love. But I want to talk about James, which kind of talks about this mirror. And this is what it says in James 1. It says, do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word, but do not put it into practice, you are like people who look in a mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then go away and at once forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free and keep on paying attention to it and do not simply listen and then forget it, but put it into practice, you will be blessed by God in what you do. So there may be all sorts of things going on in your head, things in your own life, things that you've experienced. We always are reflective of our own family when we talk about family, and that's good. Again, God may be trying to get our attention, but I want to put you at ease a little bit. It's easy to beat ourselves up or think of all the ways that we have blown it, 
And this could be decades ago, like, oh, I wish I would have done this with my parenting. I wish I would have done this with my spouse. I wish I would have done this to my parents as they, they raised me. And we could be filled with regret. But what I want to encourage you, what the scripture is saying is, is there's a sense of like, this happens right now. Look into the word. And to look into the word means you get time with it. Spend time looking. Read it. Read it again. Chew on it. Take notes on it. Ask questions. What is this saying? What does this mean for us? What can I do to, to, to challenge my own thinking? What's this promise that I need to, to claim? What's this scripture that I need uh, to memorize? And what you do is as you read God's word, it actually begins to read you again, right? The reflection. And it's not to shame us. It's not to even make ourselves feel good because that's not helpful either, but it's to lead us. This is who God has called us to be. Recently, we were on a family vacation. And family vacations can be times filled with fun, but it's very interesting. They can also be filled with stress because everyone has expectations. We have a family of five. And we have five people's expectations of what they want to happen. Some want to be in the pool all day. Some want to go shopping. Some want to be inside and in the air conditioning. Some want to just rest. Some want to explore. And what you find is all these expectations converging at once. It's the idea of like we're on a family vacation and no one is happy. And so I was feeling torn. I was like thinking, how can I make this a good vacation for the kids? How can we spend time together? But they all had different ideas. So then it's like, well, we can't do everything at the same time. And I started to kind of feel the tension within myself. And I just felt that, that idea of I can't win. And a lot of times we can feel like that as parents, like I can't win. And so we can check out. It's like, it's no, it's no use. This can happen in life. And it was interesting. God actually brought the passage that we looked at last week, Philippians 2, talking about the sacrifice and how that's how Jesus spells love. And it was like God just said, Alex, you need to sacrifice. And I thought, but I'm on vacation. Isn't that like where you take a break from that? Like all of a sudden, it's like it doesn't apply. It was just so clear. Philippians 2. Got to put these people's, like my, my family's, like their, their goals ahead of my own. I can't think of myself more important than I am. Like, they're important. I need to, to sacrifice for them. And it was just, that's the mirror. I saw who I was. I was beginning to get frustrated. And God just said, you, you need to sacrifice, just like Christ sacrificed for you. Mirror, boom, saw it. Oh, thank you, God. That's what's really going on uh, with my heart. Now, if we don't deal with that, if we don't allow God to speak to us, then we just get into faking it. And in that situation, I could have just pulled away and just in my heart just said, I'm done. I can't win. And with, withdrew, like kind of go into the cave. Men, we can do that. It's like, it's not going how we want. We just pull back. And you can as, as well, women. And there's a sense of like, we don't talk about that, but we do it. And everyone in the family feels it. And that's where the dance. Oh, dad seems a little frustrated. He's exasperated. He's kind of harsh. Why is dad like that? Everyone stay away from dad. That can happen. But God's word speaks to us if we allow it to. And it speaks to us. We can actually change. And so allow God's word to be the mirror that shows you patterns in your own life. Start with you first. And then start leading out and doing what it says. And that will be a blessing uh, to your family. Now, there may be some things that are going on and I just want to invite you. And this is that idea of living honest and open. If there's some things going on in your family right now and you just need help, you may know what God's word says, but you don't know where to go from here. 
You may be stuck. There's some obstacle. There may be some really hard things that you're dealing with. As a church, we want to help you. So will you reach out? Let us know on your connection card. Uh, there's a place where you can put prayer requests. And if you just uh, need some help, uh, let us know. Just say, I, I, I'd like some help to talk about some family dynamics. And we would love to talk with you. We'd love to point you to what the scriptures say. And, and then to really walk with you. Again, right? We, we speak the truth in love because we are members of one body. So at the church, as you're dealing with your family, it's easy to kind of become insulated and not connect that to your church family. But uh, we want to help. And so as you feel like, I can trust these people, uh, please reach out to us, let us know. And so in that, I just want to give you a next step. That could be one for you. Be open and honest with the struggle. Reach out for help. Let us know in the connection card. Uh, here's some other ones. Uh, the first is just commit to getting into God's word daily to see the truth about myself. Uh, today I shared uh, from the book of James and the book of Ephesians. So next step could, could read uh, the book of James. You could start with, with chapter 3 or chapter 4 of James. Just read that this week. Or uh, we read in Ephesians 4 today. You could read Ephesians 4 to start somewhere like I'm going to read the scriptures for myself. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, uh, that's by version. Download that. That's helpful. If you need a Bible, let us know and we will send you one. But get into God's word for yourself. Maybe you want to take that next step. The second is, this is for you men, uh, sign up for the men's breakfast next Saturday. The reason this is important is, men, you actually need to connect to the church community. Uh, God has given you the role to lead your family. And he wants you to lead it in a sacrificial way. But you can't do that alone. You actually need help outside your family. You need to be around other men who can encourage you. So I want to encourage you to come this next Saturday. Sign up on your connection card. We're going to have a good time talking and connecting, but we're also going to talk about what does it mean to be men and how do we do that together. And so sign up. We'd love to have you this next Saturday and invite men in your life to come. It's Father's Day weekend. I think the the greatest gift people could have is the sense that they're not alone as men and then also the truth from God's word. And then finally, mention this, uh, but there's a, a summary handout that you can look at. Uh, this will be available online of today's message and then some activities uh, that you can do. This is probably good if you, you have younger kids, but I encourage you uh, to check that out. And so as I wrap up, thank you so much for being here. Join us next week as we dig into uh, this series some more and let's pray together. God, thank you for being with us today. I pray that you will just speak to everyone that's been viewing online this morning that this will be a help. God, I ask that you'll give us time this week, that, that you've actually given us the time, that, that we'll take the time, that we'll put it on our calendar to get in your word. God, I just pray against discouragement, the feeling of lost opportunities, maybe even the feeling like we can't change or move forward. But God, we know that your word guides us and you help us. You've given us yourself, like you gave Christ to, to provide grace, and then you've given the Holy Spirit uh, to guide us. And so um, I just pray uh, that we will take the next step that we need to take. Thank you for our church. God, continue to band us together. In the name of Jesus, amen.